Hey everyone, I'm Jen Garrett and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. On this podcast, we are going to talk about how to succeed in business and in life by putting winning strategies into practice to help you advance faster. So if you're looking to move forward and reach that next level of greatness, then you are in the right place. Now get ready. Let's suit up, show up and move the ball. Hey everyone, Jen Garrett here. It's so great to be back with you on another episode of Move the Ball. Now, I've got to say that it's hard to believe that this is the 56th episode of the show. When I started on my entrepreneurial journey uh, last year to grow the Move the Ball brand and then launch this podcast, I didn't know where the journey would take me and I still don't fully know. That's the entrepreneurial path, right? But one thing's for sure, it's consistency that matters and it's that consistency that's going to get you to where you want to go. So I'm excited to really have been doing the show for, like I said, 56 episodes, and I'm excited to have my guest for this episode with me inside the huddle with us is Corey Proctor. Now, Corey is a former NFL offensive lineman who played college football at the University of Montana, where he was a starter for all four years. Corey was picked up in the NFL by the Detroit Lions and also played for the Dallas Cowboys and the Miami Dolphins. Now, Corey is a father, professional speaker, and investment advisor, and what separates Corey from the rest of the others out there is his drive to help others win. Corey is a true warrior for his team, his family, his clients, and his faith. Corey, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Jen. It's good to be here. Yeah, I'm glad that you're here with us. I can't believe it's been like nine months since we had lunch together in Texas at that wonderful place, that taco place. I don't remember what it's called. Uh, well, it was called Tacos and Avocados. And under, unfortunately, the COVID got the best of it. Oh, so, no. That's it shut down. So another oh. place has already replaced it. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was yeah. quick. Yep. <laughs> well, I'm glad that we were able to eat there before, uh, before they had to close up shop. It's unfortunate that all of this uh, forced them to shut down. Yeah, it's a tough time for everybody. But uh, I think there's going to be a whole lot of pruning, trimming, uh, and a lot of growth that comes out of this. So I- I'm excited for what's on the other side. Absolutely. And I, I do believe, you know, we're going through tough times. It's not fun. We see the numbers of, you know, number of cases increasing. But I, I do think that we are going to be stronger. We're going to be better on the other side of this. We just have to get through it. Absolutely. We're going to so- be good. Yes, we will. So let's start off by talking about how did you get into playing football? Share with us your journey. Uh, did you play early as a kid? What was your story? Well, I mean, growing up, you know, I was middle of three boys and, and, uh, and you know, kind of early on, about eight or nine years old, our, our parents decided to get divorced. And, and so we split and moved around a whole lot. And I went to, oh, uh, I went through, uh, Let's see, it was, I think it was like seven different schools in four years, in a four-year time period, uh, just from us moving around so much in between with uh, with mom and dad. And uh, it was kind of like six months with one parent, six months with the other, and then one would move and the other would move, and it was just kind of some crazy times. But um, it was a tough place uh, for me to be, so I kind of – I was a big kid, rolled into that uh, bag of Doritos pretty deep, and just, you know, <laughs> food became my comfort. But um, – but what ended up happening is we landed in Gig Harbor, Washington. Um, and in seventh grade, had a guy ended up uh, inviting me to play football. Uh, that changed my life in a big way. Um, and, you know, I was always a fan of sports and, and liked it. But, you know, I'm more set on, I was more couch potato and sit on and watch uh, DuckTales and morning cartoons, Saturday morning cartoons at even time. We did some sports coming up, but, you know, that, that one invite ended up having a big impact on my life and ended up finding a gift 
that I didn't know was there, right? And ended up putting me into a family that I desperately needed in a time of turmoil uh, for me. And, and there's lots of lessons that can be taken from it. But, uh, you know, this guy you know, stopped me in the middle of the hallway. And I, I knew him. I had him in some of my classes. But I, he was, as far as I knew, he was just a, a trouble kid. I'd seen him get into some fights. And he made, uh, you know, tons of, of problems in the classroom. So the teachers hated him. And uh, but he stopped me. I thought he was going to beat me up one day in the middle of the hallway. And all he did was look me up and down and said, you're kind of a big guy. You should come play football with us. And as simple as that was, you know, you think about a moment as small as that is, ends up impacting my life in such a huge way. You know, where I get into a team, I find out I have a gift and I can develop. I can learn what teamwork is. I can learn what uh, sweat equity is, how to take coaching from somebody who's been down the line, how to have somebody else speak into my life. And, and take some guidance and really develop this work ethic and some amazing characteristics that carry me through. Well, and I, I get a scholarship, Montana, and end up going undrafted but playing in the NFL for six years at the Dallas Cowboys. And now we're sitting here having a conversation. And, and so it's you think of small moments like that, you realize you have an ability to change uh, the game at any moment. Like it, one invite can change the game. One stop one good word with somebody can change their life and you have no idea what the impact could possibly be but if you sat here and started planting seeds like that all over the place you know what kind of growth could that could possibly be produced uh, from something like that and I and what's cool is I can go back and I you know I had the opportunity to go back and he became one of my closest friends um, his name was Jeremy and I go back and, and revisit that. We disconnected for several years and he called me out of the blue one day. I was like, man, I've been telling your story. Um, that was kind of the light version, but I was like, man, I've been telling your story for a long time. Now. And, and to hear that was pretty, I'm sure, filling for him to think of a time in seventh grade where he planted a seed uh, that ended up impacting somebody's life in a huge way. It's, it's pretty powerful. Yeah, I love that story because you're absolutely right. I mean, your life can change. There are moments that can take us in a very different direction for the positive, for the negative, but also for the positive. And so I think that's a great story. And in high school, you ended up playing two sports, wrestling and football, uh, named two-time MVP as a senior, earned all-league offensive lineman, all-area, all-state, and all-Northwest honors. Uh, in wrestling, you were twice named MVP. So, you know, great athletic ability. Share with us, as you went into college to play football at Montana, what was that college football experience like for you? It had its ups and downs. You know, I came in, uh, the whole recruiting experience was a lot of fun, uh, but I ended up, I had a lot of D1 interest, a lot of Pac-10 um, at the time, and uh, ended up having my knee scoped uh, after the third game, or after the first game of my senior year. So missed three games, ended up slowing me down a little bit. So a lot of that interest jumped, dropped off. So big sky teams came in, which is where I chose Montana. And I loved it there. Had my uh, my first coach Joe Glenn, who uh, can't remember where he's at right now, and then my O line coach Chad Germer, who were awesome. They're amazing coaches. Loved them to death. You know, you buy in hardcore, especially as a young kid like that. And and we won a national title my my freshman year. Started five games, got to play a whole lot of snaps, and contributed in a big way. And it was awesome. Uh, and and rightfully deserved. They got a, a bigger opportunity at the University of Wyoming, more pay. You do well, you should be rewarded. So, But that was a hard adjustment for me, especially because I hadn't been through that before. And now we're talking about an entire new coaching staff coming in. Um, and so I got a new head coach. I got a new O-line, two different O-line coaches and t entirely different attitudes. And, uh, and so that was a hard adjustment for me. It just was. 
some clashing that was going on. But in the end, having a really good relationship with those guys, uh, they stuck around in Montana for a long time. And I'm thankful for that in my life because that, that, that shaky time produced a whole lot of fortitude, a whole lot of uh, grit and ability to push through situations. You know, we, that's one of the best things about sports that, that teaches athletes that I, I love working with athletes is because they have an, a, an ability to not quit, you know? And, and so, you know, we get into these situations and you're forced to uh, turn over your, your rate of return in such a quick fashion. So you think about a play in football, you know, or a series of plays in football, you know, a typical play lasts like maybe five seconds. You go back into the huddle and, and we got to do it all over again. Well, if you had a crappy play, you have to, you, the next play is coming right back up or the next game is coming right next week. So unless you're going to go the tank and completely screw the pooch in the, in the entire series of the game or a season, you have to condition yourself to move past it at a, at a rapid rate. So now all of a sudden you've, you've screwed up. You had your own, you know, your own mind coming down on you for screwing up. You have a coach coming down on you for screwing up, potentially other teammates, even though I don't agree with it. I think teammates are there to lift you up. Um, but you have, all, you have potentially all these other factors coming down on you because you just screwed up. You have to manage the screw up and the emotions associated with that and overturn that quick enough to get back into the game. Uh, and so that was, it was a hard transition for me coming back to the original question, you know, when that coaching change happened, but it was a critical piece of my life because all of a sudden I had to force through these stressors in this huge flux uh, to be able to, uh, to create a perseverance of sorts uh, to make it through hard times. And so that's carried into my personal life, my, my marriage, uh, into my work, into lots of different situations. Sure. And you bring up a good point, uh, coaching changes. So leadership changes doesn't just happen in sporting context. You may have more turnover as people move on to different roles, depending on what happens in different seasons. But in the workplace, in the business world, we have new leaders that come in. There may be some cultural shifts because of that difference in leadership style and, and focus. And so what advice would you give people as they're lo- if, if they're facing those changes to kind of help deal with those shifts and, and build the relationships with the new leadership so that everybody can be successful? Uh, n- number <clears throat> two big things, really. One, ha- have your foundation and then understand where they're coming from. Most of the world right now, this is why we live in such a crazy messed up time right now is, is we have everybody's yelling at each other, right? And, and that's typical, but especially right now where everybody's online during the pandemic, it seems so much uh, more inflated and, and such on a megaphone of sorts. And so what, what happens is, is the majority of our, of our nation or a lot of our world has zero foundation about what they believe or what they stand on to be true. And, and the problem is we have so many people, especially men, in our world that kind of, they're just, you know, they go with the flow. You've heard that before. Like, Hey, I'm just, you know, I'm a go with the flow guy and he's really nice and everybody likes a really nice guy. And that's great. Love being a nice guy. But the problem is if you always go with the flow, somebody else is going to control you. And what happens is when you go with the flow, ultimately the wrong influencers start controlling you. And so all of, when the wrong influencers start controlling you, all of a sudden, a woman comes into your marriage and gets between you and your wife and something bad happens to cause a divorce. Right. And all, and, and, or, or the opposite comes in, the wrong voice fits into you when you got a new leadership piece of work. And now all of a sudden you think they're against you and you start acting on that attitude instead of, instead of the correct one. And so that goes into the second piece is understanding if you have new leadership, understand where they're coming from. 
right? And this is I love to sh- I love to share this with young players coming to the NFL. And this is the same thing if you're coming into a new company. It doesn't matter how old you are. It does not matter how much experience you have, little or a ton. If you that if I don't know you, there's questions, and I can't I can't assume to know anything about you. But if you're somebody addressing a new leader, you need to walk into his office, his or her's office, and you need to talk to them bluntly. And and so, you know, if you and I are in this scenario, Jen, and you're my superior, even if I disagree with it, I have to come to you and I say, listen, I want to do awesome for my family. You know, I've got this experience, whatever the case may be, but Jen, I, I, you know, I got a wife. I, I want to let you know who I am, right? I got a wife. I got two babies. I got two kids. And I want to go kill it for them. I've, I've been with this company or I'm new to this company and this is what was going on. And I know in order for me to kill it, I got to be on your team and I got to see your vision. So what I would love to do is I want to get what you think of me out the gate and have a conversation to really map out, hey, what's going to take for me to win or help you to win? Because ultimately that's that's what's going to move the ball down the line for the both of us. What, what does that do to you as a boss? Yeah, for me, I mean, if someone were to come to me to say that I would be surprised because you're right, most people don't do that. But it's really opening the lines of communication, starting that a great foundation for a relationship between me and the person that's in my office talking about that in this case, you right? it's really about okay, yeah, let's talk about where I see the strengths, let's see where we can improve. But it's really about laying down the foundation on how we can mutually be successful. It's it's huge. What, What are you doing? You're creating unity in the situation. Absolutely. Where, where there's question before, when there's question, there can there can potentially be dissent or there can potentially be fractures. When I purposefully come in and meet with you as my boss and say, hey, we, I want to win with you. What do you got? What's your plan or your thought process, or your vision, whatever is on your mind about this company, potentially me, that I can add to it, right? Because that now I want to turn the wheels for myself to say, hey, how, how can I really bring something to be an asset to you? And when you do that, all of a sudden, instead of the indecision that you potentially have coming into a new a new realm, you, you all of a sudden, you're in an empowered position. And so if I can immediately create a relationship with you and say, yeah, I'm, I'm on your team. We got to fix the right ship. We got to increase our productivity. We got to do something like what, what can I do to be on your side? I've just started the relationship off on a huge foot and I've gotten you to be on my team. And I think in the business world too, like like the goals aren't necessarily as uh, clear cut or as as clearly defined unless the leadership has those conversations with their employees, with their colleagues, with their teammates to make sure that everyone is strategically aligned to the objectives. When you look at sports, I mean, the high level goal is is pretty clear cut. It's to win football games, for example, or basketball game, whatever the sport is. But there are other goals below that that you're looking to let's improve on, you know, X, Y, Z. But I think in, in the workplace, too often leadership fails at making sure that everyone is aligned to what the real priorities are and then making sure that the tasks that everyone is doing on a day-to-day basis align with those goals. And by having conversations like you just mentioned with employees, then it really uh, continues to strengthen the relationship, but also make sure that everyone is working together. It was, it's huge. And it, well, all right, there's, there's the goals that are clear cut, right? My, my NFL team got to win the Super Bowl. Great. Well, sales company, well, you know, I want to I want to increase sales by 200% next year. Oh, great. Fantastic. Or you're an individual. I want to make 100 grand this year. Well, great. What are the behaviors that go into all of those? That's where the money's at. 
Yes. You have to dive down to understand what exactly gets you to that point. Because you just say, hey, I want to make a hundred grand this year. My first question is, okay, what produces it? If you're in a sales role, how many contacts do you make? How many, how many of those turn into conversions? How many returns do you have? How many sales do you need to have? Like what's the revenue piece that you need to hit with your company? How many you know units do you have to sell to get to that number or the average unit price that you have to hit? There's, there's a lot of variables that go into it. And if you don't understand it, you just put a blatant goal out there. Goals are important, but you got to break them down. Passion is not the only factor. You got to have it. It's important. But money is not everything, but money touches everything. And if you don't know the numbers that are going into the behaviors or going into the behaviors or, or what's going to get you to that goal, you're a sinking ship. Break down the behaviors that are, that are going to get you to that goal. Because if you don't, it's going to fall flat. Absolutely. Appreciate you sharing that. And I hope people, as you're looking at the goals that you set for the rest of the year, some people are like, oh, this is 2020 is such a bad year. It started off, you know, Kobe passing away, stock market, coronavirus. And it's like, guys, this is July 2020. Like there's still plenty of time in this year to do amazing things. And so those that are just shying away in fear, you're just making excuses. So figure out what is it you want to do for the rest of the year, and then break down the behaviors and the actions that you need to put into place so that you can achieve those goals and make 2020 a great year. It's huge. Well, this is what I love. The reason I say the first piece at the beginning, when I said, understand what your, your base belief, your foundation stand on, and then break down the behaviors uh, that are going to win. Well, when you do those things, you naturally create uh, boundaries and safeguards for yourself. So what happens is, you know, when we talk about living in a society right now, this pandemic is crazy, right? We're close to our, close to 40% of our nation lives paycheck to paycheck and doesn't have $500 in the bank for an emergency. Well, you know, so naturally a lot of subsequent problems are going to show up when you tell people they can't work. Let's talk about the people that were prepared. Well, if you have a plan in place, and I talk about the financial side, like let's just, just do general general plans. You got three to six months cash liquid in your bank at all times for emergencies. You've got savings going on, maybe you got retirement accounts going on, and you've been really chipping away at this thing. What happens is when you have those emergency funds and winter comes, because winter always comes, there's always cycles. It always shows up. When winter shows up, and you're prepared, you can see opportunities that other people can't see. And the thing is, when you don't have a foundation in place and you're not prepared, when winter comes, the wind knocks you off your horse. Preparation is key. I mean, as an athlete, you know that that's foundational to being successful in winning games and in getting to the Super Bowl, winning championships. And the same is true in our own lives. You got to be prepared for different situations. And I'll just share, you know, people that are listening, many of you know that I left my corporate job last year, went all in on my business and, uh, you know, the coronavirus hit, stock market tanked and people are like, wow, Jen, that really sucks. This is bad timing for you. And I'm like, oh, well, gee, thanks. And I'm like, no, well, I prepared, I was prepared for that. I mean, I didn't think this would happen, but I was prepared in case it did. And so for me, I shifted, I pivoted in my business and it's actually been a great year for me. 
because I was prepared and I was able to adapt. And I really viewed this situation as just another obstacle that needed to be tackled. It was no different. Is it big? Yes. Are there lots of people getting sick and unfortunately dying because of it? Yes. It's not a fun thing, but it's just another obstacle that we have to go through. And we just need to figure out how am I going to get through this and continue. And when you're prepared for things like this, then you can see the opportunities, just like you mentioned. Exactly. What you said is, is a critical thing is, is so many people get knocked off the horse and they get, they get crap. And what happens when you do that and you're not prepared, you are blamed. Everybody is blaming. And so that's exactly what your point is. It's like, what do we do from here? How do we pivot? There's something here for us to grab and we got to find it. Absolutely. Now, I will say that being said, that doesn't mean that, look, we're, we're human beings. We have emotions. We react to things. And so when this all happened back in February, I remember being at the NFL combine the last week of February stock market tanked, the Dow Jones dropped like 3,500 points in a week. And I was like, Oh my gosh. So there were some moments of discomfort, but it was like, okay, process through that. And let's figure out where we go from here. So it's okay to feel negative feelings, to be scared, to be angry, upset, but you got to check those things, you know, process through it and then figure out how you move on. Right. Exactly. That's good. So let's talk about you also do speaking. So talk to us about kind of what messages or topics do you emphasize? What groups do you talk to normally? Uh, I talk to a lot of groups. I'd say probably 60%. The majority of the groups that I talk to are faith-based. To be honest, a a lot of the substance that, that I have comes from what I consume. And really it wasn't until I, I fell into my faith, um, got into a relationship with God uh, that it, it was turned on. You know, I, I tell people I get, uh, I football developed some amazing characteristics. I look, that's what I say. I learned how to work hard. I was, what kept me around in the NFL I was smart. I rarely made mental errors. I was always where I was supposed to be when I was supposed to be there. And I busted my butt and I was relatively healthy until all that came to an end. But, uh, but I, you knew what you were going to get with me and you could rely on me. You know, like I wasn't, I wasn't like this crazy dominant player in the league, but you knew what you were going to get with me. And I was a serviceable guy and I wasn't going to make any big mistakes and cause any huge problems on the O-line. And so I had all these good qualities in, in football and it was great. I mean, I was outgoing personality, but it's not like I had a lot to say. We had some crazy things happen in our life and, and so ended up getting invited to a milestone church here in Keller, Texas. And uh, I, I get hit with a vision and something pretty powerful. And, uh, and I get involved in small groups. And for some reason, like that's when this fire was lit that I just, I wanted to read. And I was in a men's leadership group. My pastor was really good. We started reading leadership books. So I became a huge John Maxwell fan and, and started going down this path of consuming and it's like I had all of a sudden it was weird. It's like this light was turned on like I had never eaten before. And so I'm just consuming and eating as much as I possibly can. So every podcast, every book, every message, TED Talk, all of it. And because it was it was the financial piece because that's where I went. But it was everything to get my hands on that was interesting me at the time. And because I was consuming so much, all of a sudden I became an overflowing cup. And what happens Right. So many leaders struggle today because they're pouring from a cup that's not they're pouring from an empty cup. They got nothing to give. They've gassed the tank and they're not refilling it ever. They're not refilling their own cup anywhere. So so they get stagnant in so many different ways. What happens? I'm overflowing this informational cup and this what I'm consuming is 
It's hitting my soul. It's giving me revelational pieces. It's giving me informational pieces. Lots of different things that all of a sudden I could sit here and have a conversation with you about. And then it would transfer. And so if it was big in my life, a big testimonial piece, usually that hits across the table. And the other person's like, man, you need to talk to my small group. You need to talk to my men's group. Or you need to talk to my sales team. Or you need to talk to these people. I'm having these similar problems. I'm having these kinds of problems with my people. I'm like, yeah. And all of a sudden, that's where the speaking gigs started coming. And I'll do a prepared talk. But some of the most powerful times are in the Q&A right after. That's what I've shared. I'm speaking to a women's uh, realtor group out of uh, Longview, Texas, here in a couple of weeks, just over a Zoom call. And the lady was hit by my message I gave in Tyler at a, at a B2B expo, just all about relationships and the factors that go into them and what really hits. And what I, what I want to do is be such a positive, if I can be, and I'm not perfect by any stretch, but if I can be an inviting spirit that gives you some conviction to make a move or to take a step towards something that's better and more meaningful and soulful in your life, especially in your own families and the household that you're in right now, that's what I want. And I want to be that inviting spirit. And, like, and what happens is all of a sudden, she heard me at one event and she goes, I need you to talk to my ladies. We got a lot of people that are struggling. Realtors are, you know, they're, they're up and down. Some are doing great, some are not doing very good. And so they're struggling with income or whatever. And they, they need some juice. And so what I, I love about that is I can come in all this stuff that I've consumed. And just because I'm an avid reader, all that stuff comes out. It connects with my life in some way. It reminds me of past stories, current stories, current struggles, past struggles, all these different things, this conversation, whatever. And, and so I'm a whole lot more mindful to basically what God is trying to tell me in these situations. And when, that, when I'm cognizant of what am I supposed to learn, it allows revelation to come a whole lot more freely. And, and so what's great about that is that is transferable at a huge rate. That's where the speaking gigs started showing up. You know, so I'll do one or two paid gigs a month and that's slowed down for this. Um, and I'll do some free gigs right around where I am. I'm growing up and where my family is because I want to pour into this community on purpose. And so it's been crazy powerful. So a lot of churches, Sunday service, men's conferences, been really, really awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty lucky to, to have that in my life. That's awesome. And you have a website where people can learn more about you, coreyproctor.com. So we'll be sure to put that in the show notes as well. As you mentioned earlier, you're in the financial wealth management space. Uh, so procapitaltx.com will also put in the show notes so people can learn more about what you're doing there as well. So what I want to do now is I want to transition to my two-minute drill and just ask you seven fun questions. Are you ready? Yes, ma'am. All right, here we go. What's your favorite food? Steak. Uh, how do you like it cooked in any particular cut? Uh, medium rare, typically ribeye, but you give me a piece of meat, medium rare, salt it down, I'm going to eat it. <laughs> okay. And you are in the Dallas, Texas area. Is there a particular steakhouse you like? Oh, man. Papa's Brothers, is that, that's our favorite. Best service, amazing steaks, and you can't go wrong going there. Okay. Awesome. How about what is your favorite movie? Oh, shoot. Favorite movie? There's a lot. You know what? I have a ton of, ton of awesome, huge movie list that I love. Probably the most quoted one is Forrest Gump. Oh, that's a great movie. <laughs> it's the that's best one ever. <laughs> How about what's your favorite professional sports team? Dallas Cowboys. Not that's, surprised. Not surprised. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my home. That's where I'm at. Gotcha. How about what's the best piece of advice that you've gotten from a coach or a mentor? 
I, t- I tell you what, one of the best pieces that I've gotten regarding my marriage about my wife, and it, it's actually it's faith based, but in Hebrew, the visual markings for the term wife is actually three different visuals. It is a piece of meat, it is an axe or weapon of some sort, and it's an eyeball. In Hebrew, the, the visual terms for wife, and and it's interesting because the meat means the flesh naturally. Women are a whole lot more attractive than guys, right? So everybody understands that one. Two is the axe um, or the weapon. And what that means is the wife is a protector over her husband and family. Um, Even though the the man is supposed to protect two, uh, the wife is a huge protecting piece of that. And the third, the biggest one that hit me was the eyeball. It means that she has an eye that I don't have. That means that she can see things that I can't. And, and what happens in a lot of relationships that got pointed out to me is, is you might have a relationship where like, uh, Jay, you might have gone through this or other people who listen have probably gone through this where wife or maybe your girlfriend in a situation you're like, and the guy brings home somebody and you're like, I don't like that guy. I get a bad feeling. I just, something about him eeks me, right? And a lot of situations, the guy uh, bats it off. He's like, well, you don't know what you're talking about. He's fine, whatever. Well, Here's the thing. Here's the eyeball part of the wife is she can think she can see things that the husband can't. So if she can see things that I can't, that means I can't dismiss her, her vision or her, or her potential feelings in a situation because if she sees things I can't, that means she's wary of things that I can't see also. I have to exercise her judgment and, and understand that that's a critical piece of the relationship. I got to have that in my life. So that was a huge thing to me is I can't be dismissive of a lot of those little things in my wife. If I'm dismissive, that's deteriorating to a relationship that's supposed to be uh, cohesive like that. I'm supposed to listen to her in those tough situations. And that was kind of a long-winded answer, but that's been a critical piece, making sure that she has weight in my life, in my mind, and in my decision-making. Oh, that's great. Thank you. for. I've never had anyone share that. So learn something very interesting. I appreciate you sharing that with us. And then I'm going to flip it now and ask you, what is the best piece of advice that you would give somebody? Know what you're about. The same thing that we're talking about earlier is have a foundation for your life. Identify three things that are rock solid pillars in your life that would never leave no matter what happens, that you will never change ever. And so, okay, you can't identify three, identify one and start there. The pillars of my life are my faith, my family, and my work. Those are huge, huge things. And so what I mean by like this, those are really broad at the top, just like the goals we were talking about earlier. So I got to break them down. So my, my number one pillar, uh, these are three unshakable things that I will, I will live on and die by forever. And so if my number one is my faith, that means um, I believe in God and I'm not him. That means I can't control everything that comes into my life. I can't control my wife. I can't control my kids. I can influence them on a great degree, but I can't control their actions. Um, And the same thing that happens to anything, anybody else that comes into my life, I can't control them. I can't control what my boss is going to do or what if a client's going to choose me or going to leave me or anything. I can influence them in a great degree, but I can't control them. And so, so many people get in this power struggle where they can't control somebody, so they freak out. And there's a lot of problems that arise because of, it, because of it. So that's faith. My family is number my number two. That means you notice this comes in and uh, it comes in order. My faith is above my family. Um, that means when I identify, I realize I'm not God. I don't try to control my family. My family comes next. They're above my work. That means I'm not going to exhaust everything at work 
Um, so my family has nothing left at the end of the day because they're what, they're what I'm working for, not the work. And then the last thing is my work. I want to be effective in that in a crazy way. And if I understand I have to be effective, that means I'm not just exhausting showing up at, at dawn, leaving at dusk. First one in, last one to leave. I used to be that. I'm not that anymore. I know I can, I can march through a massive amount of work in a three-hour time period. Still go have lunch with my wife. That's where I would say I go with people. My advice to you, identify three things in your life that are absolute pillars that you will not be shaken from. Because when bad times hit, they're going to try to shake you off your pillars. Yes, a powerful piece of advice. Uh, two other questions for you. What is one thing that most people don't know about you? I guess my mom used to own a dance studio in high school. And uh, she used to incorporate plays into the recital. So it wasn't a traditional recital. She didn't like this at all. So she did Tarzan one time and I was Tarzan. Oh. And so, yeah. So, so I, had, I had to dance. I had to act. And I had to yell for the Tarzan yell. So, <laughs> so ran, random, random factoid for you right there. Gotcha. Well, I'm going to share because I was going to ask you about this earlier. And one thing I learned about you that I didn't know was that you were the drummer in a metal band, uh, Free Rain. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> very cool. And then the last question for you is, uh, if you could be any superhero, who would you be and why? Probably like Thor or something. I've never had abs and I want, I want a hammer and be able to fly. And that would be pretty awesome. Well, as we close our show, any last thoughts for our listeners? I would just say for anybody that's struggling out there, a lot of people try to decide what, what's next and what to do. And, and what I would do is stop relying on other people. And understand, like, you're, you're not God. You're not going to be able to control everything. And stop struggling in places where you're not supposed to struggle. And make a move for yourself. Take one step, whatever that is, that's taking a class, if that's finding or looking online for a potential new job, having a conversation, share your struggle with somebody, not to just complain and bitch and moan, but share your struggle with the intent of trying to find a solution. Absolutely. And I guess I'll just add to that. I mean, look at who's in your network. There are some people that may be detrimental, so maybe you don't share with them, but there are people in your network, in your circle that are the right people that can help you to move the ball. So definitely tell people, tell those people about what you're trying to do. Let them be on your team to help you to move that ball forward. Huge. So Corey, thank you so much for being on the show today. You, you have shared such amazing pieces of advice and insights, and it's been a real pleasure having you on today. Hey, thanks, Jen. I appreciate it. Thank you. And thanks again to everyone for listening. And we will talk to you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.jenniferagarrett.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.